Dear fellow redeemed, we can we consider especially our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. And as we begin, we ask the question, "What's in a name?" And Juliet, complaining about Romeo and complaining about the animosity between those two houses, would say, "Well." What is in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. If my high school English is still holding up. What's in a name? Perhaps you think of of your own name. Maybe a last name that might be different from the one that you had been born with. Maybe your name was a name that had been the name of a grandparent or perhaps of a relative who had passed away at a young age. Maybe you're named after somebody like that. And maybe your name has a little bit more to it. Maybe in the town or city where you grew up, that last name has a reputation, whether good or not so good. And whether we live up to that reputation or try to distance ourselves from it, we recognize that a name isn't just what we call somebody but it encompasses who they are or what they do or what they are known as, their reputation. What's in a name? I joke that when I was ordained and when any man gets ordained that he loses his first name, that I'm no longer Peter but pastor. And that's all well and good until somebody who is actually meeting me for the first time says, all right, but what is your name? Your family doesn't call you pastor, do they? And I say it works out pretty well because my first name starting with a P and pastor starting with a P, I can just sign things PH and then they'll mentally choose whichever name applies in that particular context. And perhaps you have a a similar thing. Maybe you've had different names or other titles that people have referred to you as and called you. Maybe that name relates to um, your business or your accomplishments, your place in an organization or the responsibility that you carry. Maybe the name that you have um, relates to the people that you care for or the people that refer to you with those beloved names, such as, you know, parent or grandparent or something like that. Maybe the names that you think of and the names that you've been called only come to mind when running into a friend from 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And all of a sudden you remember that nickname from high school and it just brings back the whole flood of all that high school was. And maybe that name was a name that somebody used um, to try and bully you or that they attached to you and you weren't particularly fond of that name. Maybe you even go by an initial for your first name and then you use an alternate name like one of my professors from our seminary, E.A. Sorum. We don't know what his first name is, but he goes by Alan. What's in a name? And that's exactly what we have with um, the naming of Jesus. Happened the eighth day after his birth, or by the way that we count dates, uh, a week later. A week later, probably there at, at the house in Bethlehem, or maybe at the local synagogue in Bethlehem. And this is a different circumstance than 40 days after the birth. Because on the 40 days after the birth, they would bring the, the lamb or the two doves. And then they would present those as an offering for the cleansing of Mary. And that was 40 days after the birth when we had Simeon taking the child in his hands and saying, Lord, I have seen my salvation. Here, a week after his birth, it looks like the most innocuous of events, the sort of things that um, the hospital might ask you before you leave if you have a a young boy. 
do you want us to do a circumcision or not? And for them, it was more than that. Because that circumcision wasn't just some medical procedure to be done by a doctor in a far-off room. It was part of the religious ceremony whereby that young boy was brought into the nation of Israel. Whereby that young boy was marked with the sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant that God had talked about and had given to Abraham when Abraham was in his, in his 90s. That Abraham and all of his family, all of his entire household, um, including Ishmael, including the 312 men who had been born into his private army when they were all circumcised. And God chose that sign to point back to his promise. His promise at the tree that the seed of the woman, that the child born eventually through Abraham's line would be the one to redeem Israel. And so Abraham, I mean, realistically, he would have a regular reminder of that very promise of God in a very human way. And so that naming of Jesus, a religious ceremony, but it was also something that wasn't unknown. Because Christmas Eve, the shepherds show up their manger side, and um, as they crowd around to catch a glimpse, and I'm sure the question came up, what are you going to name him? And they would have the opportunity to confess exactly what God had said. That we're going to name him Jesus. The same, the same root, the same name, basically, as Joshua and Isaiah and Hosea. We're going to name him Jesus. Because this one will save his people from their sin. This one has a name that means Savior. Not necessarily a family name, but a name with meaning. What's in a name? And while it's true that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, at the same time, you and I are well acquainted with the names that you and I have. Whether it's our middle name, last name, first name, titles, nicknames, or whatever name that person on the highway was yelling as they were screaming at us. Why don't you let me merge? I hate construction. Anyway. What's in the name? Jesus talks about some names there at the end of um, Revelation chapter 22. And the names that he talks about are, yes, reputations and actions. He talks about the names of those who are excluded from the city. Excluded from the city of God, the city of light. Excluded from the city of life. That's what he says in verse 16 or verse 15. Outside are the dogs. Ugh. Talk about that for a name. The sorcerers, the adulterers, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. What's in a name? And if we look at verse 15, all of a sudden that opens up an entire new door on the past year and looking forward onto the new year. An entire new door of names that, that we have earned to a greater or lesser degree. An entire new set of names that we would prefer weren't true. What is it in a name? Those who are excluded from the city of God. The adulterers, the sorcerers, the murderers, the idolaters, and even the little white liars. What's in a name? And that you and I are well acquainted with it, but what does God's law name us as? As one who lets the thoughts linger that ought not to be? As one who is superstitious? 
and puts more stock in reading the daily horoscope than reading the word of God? What's in a name? The one who harbors a grudge or even hatred, but the one who is so fake about it that I can't even let it out. I need to keep it tucked away so that nobody can see it. What's in a name? The one who will smear and smudge the truth. Just a little bit. God's law has a whole host of names that are very uncomfortable. And as we celebrate the name of Jesus, it's almost fitting that we stand at the brink of a brand new year. And we think about human attempts to gain a new name. Human attempts that in and of themselves aren't bad, but human attempts to resolve to do something better, to make a positive adjustment, to do less of the bad and to do more of the good, to change a name, to change reputation, to change what we are known as and how we present ourselves. And resolutions, I mean, like I said, in and of themselves, they're not a bad thing. And the only one that I tell people is probably the same one that I think my wife tells people um, to read more books. (laughs) But what's in a name? Every human attempt, even the human attempts are still there to try to change a name. Whether it's to change and do less of the bad, change and do more of the good. We are well acquainted with the names that God's law presents and accuses. And we are well acquainted with attempts to try and change that. But a rose by any other name would not smell so sweet. Now would it? And a Jesus by any other name would not be Savior. Because he didn't come to be named as lawgiver, as resolution proposer. He didn't come to be named as the one who has, you know, the 10-step solution to a better life this year. He didn't come to be the one to present a list of resolutions that would change your life for the better now and for eternity. He came with the name of Savior. And so in answer to all of God's law names, the law names that leave us loaded with guilt and regret, with shame and exclusion from the city of light, God presents his son and names him Savior. And on the seventh day, the eighth day, a week later, the name Jesus was given to that little baby in a very human way. That child was made a member of the nation of Israel and made the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, the fulfillment of that practice that had been carried out for nearly 2,000 years among the men of the nation of Israel, of the spiritual nation of Israel. And on that day, the name was given, the name Jesus, Savior. The name that Jesus holds out for you and for me, the name that Jesus talks about in verse 16 from Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. The name by which he wants to be known. The name that is above every name. Not just the name of God with all power and might, but the name of God who chose to be a human and chose to be Savior for his people, for you and for me. And that really is the only name that matters. That name changes 
the other names and titles that you and I carry. That name of Jesus means that even in the very earliest day of, um, you know, a little bit of shedding of his blood, in the very earliest day when he was incorporated into the nation of Israel, that this Jesus took upon himself all of God's law for you and for me, and that his name applies to you and to me. And that there at that baptismal font, whether it was that one or one just like it somewhere else, his name was pronounced over you and placed upon you. And his blood washed away your sin. And his water created faith. That his name was placed over you there at your baptism and in the blessing at the end of every church service so that his name would be the banner over your year, yes, and your decade and your life. That of all the names which you may have earned for yourself or been accused of, the one that matters is Jesus. That I have a Savior who saved me from all those things. I have a Jesus who is my Savior. I have a Jesus who has given me a name that is not dog, adulterer, um, what else does it say? Sorcerer, murderer, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I don't have a name anymore of somebody who smudges the truth. I have a name of my Savior who has taken my sin. And that is the joy of the naming of Jesus, the circumcision of Jesus. And that joy has been made yours when he placed his name upon you in holy baptism. And that name changes even the the resolutions that you and I might make over the course of the year, over the course of a lifetime, that first and foremost among all of them, that this name of Jesus would bring peace to our hearts would remain the, the driving force for our lives. And that this name Jesus would direct all of our efforts so that, so that not only do we have the status of Jesus before God, that is all of his righteousness, but that we live up to that name by his work and by his will within us. That you and I even make the daily choices and all the other vocations we may have, all the other titles we may carry, that we make the choices that, yes, live up to the status which God has given to us. What's in a name? That's where Revelation concludes. That's where God's word concludes. Where he had said in verse 15, what's in a name according to God's law? Well, it's not good. But verse 16, what's in a name? Jesus wants to make his name known among the churches and among God's people so that the very last sentence of Scripture would be the reminder that all of God's promises and all of God's resolve is yes in Christ, that he has been the fulfillment of every promise made to Adam and Eve, to Abraham and Sarah, of every promise made to you and every pledge that he has made in holy baptism, that his name is your name. And that in him, your name is his holy one, his saint. And that's where scripture concludes. And that's where we will conclude today in verse 21 from Revelation chapter 22. As we begin a new year, as we celebrate again the name of Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints, holy ones. Amen. Amen.